0: Former Los Angeles rock radio personalities Ken Anthony and Frankie DeVita were looking for an outlet to continue to talk about their passions, radio and music. The radio landscape has changed so much over the years, and this podcast is their new avenue to discuss music, artists, media, and hopefully keep the spirit of radio alive. It's the Spirit of Radio Podcast with your hosts, Ken Anthony and Frankie DeVita. And now, here's Ken and Frankie.
1: Uh, it's the Spirit of Radio Podcast.
0: I'm Ken Anthony.
1: I'm Frankie DeVita. We're back. We're back. It's been three months Well, it almost. was the
0: middle of March. It was uh, right when the pandemic was starting
1: March 14th was and our last podcast you, you know,
0: this was before we were even wearing masks
1: <laughs> I know we, we we were still we were kind of doing the elbow bumps right like starting to at that point we, we're, but,
0: we're at the Benstown studios and you're going to do a nice intro about Benstown but it's funny yeah. because we meet in the hallway and we both have our masks on. <laughs> <know. It's> like, <laughs> it's like we this is, what, bank this is 2020
1: yeah um, it's the sign of the times right now hopefully it's not these times won't last A whole lot longer, but, you know, I think it's going to be a little bit of time here that we're going to be doing this. But, yes, we are at the beautiful Benstown Studios in downtown Glendale. And uh, if you are a podcaster, uh, they've got a lot of stuff for you to get your hands on. You can make your job faster and easier with the Benstown Podcast Library. It's another secret weapon from your friends here at Benstown. Take your podcast game to the next level with an inspiring collection of world-class music beds, loops, and sound effects Custom curated by Benstown. You can learn more at slash podcast.
0: Okay, now there's a reason why Frankie reads that, because Frankie is a professional voiceover person. I'm just a goofball. You did that. You did that so well. You're good. Thank You're you. good.
1: Thank you. <laughs> okay. It's
0: the voice.
1: Um, all right. So we have a special guest today. Woo-hoo! Our special guest. Wait, is he there? Oh, I see a ceiling.
0: We see just Hello. the top oh, of there. his head. Yes,
1: he's there. <laughs> All right, so our special guest today—he's on Zoom because we are social distancing—is uh, the great Fraser Smith, yeah. radio personality, actor, stand-up comedian. Hey, Fraser. Hi, guys. So I want to give How a little. Li- We're great, and I'm so happy to see you again. Even, so Fraj, even just if it's stand on by Zoom.
0: for ten minutes for your bio, okay? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So let, <laughs> oh, let me—it's—it's okay. it's quick. I'm going to let you dig into it a little bit more, but I'm just going to give a little bit of your background. You're a uh, a Motor City madman. You're from Detroit. Uh yep. worked worked you came to LA. I'm guessing 76 maybe to work at K-Rock. You went on to KLOS, KMET, KLSX and then it stinted k earth which yeah, kind of surprised me. I didn't know that one, but um mm-hmm. so yeah, I've kinda, The pay?
2: They didn't know either. All <laughs> of a sudden they were like, "What's he doing in there?" <laughs>
1: So uh, when when did radio first pique your interest? Well, I've
2: never really been interested in it. Uh, <laughs> it's not that interesting to me. Um, but I started. Well, I guess, really, honestly, uh, Detroit radio was pretty good. Uh, and um, we had a bunch of good stations. As you guys know, uh, different markets, you know, have different flavor, and and Detroit had a really good. Uh, assortment of radio stations some really great jocks interesting and you know back then when i was coming up in the uh, late 1800s (laughs) you know uh it was uh we had some really interesting djs because personality radio was kind of big still back back when i was coming up Mm -hmm. so you know i guess that would be it there were a couple uh detroit djs that were favorites of mine and you could kind of make your own statement as a DJ back then because you know it was a little bit of that Alan Freed thing and and uh, you know and and you could uh, you know still pick a little bit of your own music and so those DJs were really fun and I think that's where I first got interested.
0: Frazier, did you listen to uh, Riff and in uh, Detroit and I guess Wheels? Those were some of the big rock stations back then, right?
2: Sure. Yeah, Riff was a big station. So was Wheels. And yeah. Art Penhalo and, uh, oh, Arthur Penhalo and, uh, Arthur Penhalo. Amazing. Albert. Yeah. And then, uh, we had a station called WABX and ABX was really a great station. It was kind of like an outlaw FM station, you know, like a pirate radio type of thing, uh, with just amazing DJs. a little bit like KMET became out here. Coast. And, uh, they had some great DJs and I used to, uh, Listen to them and, and think. Well, yeah, that'd be a, that'd be fun
0: to do. You're talking about Detroit radio. When did you uh, decide to make the big uh, trip out to La La Land?
1: Well, I want to know too. I'll add on to that. Did you come to LA to pursue radio or to p- pursue comedy?
2: Good question. Well, at that time, I was just looking for drugs, <laughs> uh, and you know what? That hasn't really changed. <laughs> Um, no, I was, you know, uh, I was really uh thinking television, really, um, w- was really I to be an actor and um, and a stand up comic, and I was already doing stand up comedy, you know, and I had been out to the west coast on uh, on a reconnaissance trip, and I had thought, you know, I went to the comedy store and I, I you know, I thought, yeah, I want to do that. Um, I was doing a little bit of that back in Detroit, and that was primarily what I wanted to do. But I thought maybe uh, radio would be uh, an entree to that. And um, I got out here, and my buddies from Detroit were living out here, and they said, you got to try k Rock, because that looks like it's kind of the most independent, which it was. It was independently owned back then, and they they thought that might be the easiest one to uh, maybe get into so I went to uh, I had a meeting with uh, Gary Costa who was a uh, general manager at K Rock at the time, and it was really a, a, a weird situation going on. In Iraq. They had crazy management. A um, well, who doesn't? Right. And um, it was extra weird. And they were in, they were broadcasting out of the uh, Pasadena Hilton Hotel. They they out of a suite, and they had all this equipment in the suite. It was like a you know, it was old equipment, it looked like a Flash Gordon, you know, the old pots, the twisty hand pots. And, um... hello. There you are. <laughs> All right, there
0: we go. All right, so.
2: The 17th color, what do I win?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, we had to uh, uh, take Frazier off of Zoom. Now, Fraser is back on the phone. <laughs> How about that? Do I win anything? You win the chance to be on the Spirit of Radio podcast with Ken Anthony and Frankie DeVita. Uh, So now you're probably thinking, oh my gosh, is that all I get? Um, No,
2: that's a career break.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, we were talking about uh, when you first, uh, why you decided to come out to Los Angeles. And because we missed some of that when we were on the Zoom. This is going to be part Zoom at the beginning, but... The rest of it will be you on the phone here. Uh, but you had said that you came out here uh, to try and pursue acting and stand-up comedy, and you were telling us about your first meeting with K-Rock here in Los Angeles. You want to go over that again, because we might have missed some of that uh, uh, with the well, Zoom I, stuff.
2: I, I met with uh, the uh, general manager and program director at K-Rock, and they were, uh, their offices were at the Bel Air Sands Hotel which uh, used to be a popular hotel right at, you know, at Sunset and um, and uh, 405. And, uh, you know, and they were just, it was a crazy scene. It was like something out of a Marx Brothers movie. And Gary Bocosta was the general manager, and he was this kind of mysterious guy, and he was uh, involved in a lot of kind of weird nefarious stuff including he was a friend of Nixon's and uh, (laughs) just so anyway the meeting basically was um if you can get Phil Austin Phil was a friend of mine from Fireside Theater and I had become friends with those guys they were really popular back in the late 70s you know uh actually throughout the entire 70s kind of a Cheech and Chong
3: Mm -hmm. uh,
2: group that put out a lot of records you know comedy group and, uh, he, uh, basically Phil had said, if you get me on a, a station out here, I'll do a show with you. Wow. So the K rock guys go, okay, if you can get Phil, we'll do it. Cause they didn't know who I was. And, uh, so I got Phil he go, and so he reluctantly said, yeah, let's do it. And, uh, we, they were in the Pasadena Hilton hotel. They were broadcasting out of the hotel, waiting to have new studios built and, so we get there, and we're going up in the elevator. I remember him saying, this is like a Mexican movie. He goes, what is going on? And Because he was used to the big time. And we get there, and uh, it's they're set up in a suite. It's really old equipment. Um, and uh, so we do our first show, and we're halfway through the show, and the stick cuts out. Oh, my. Actually, here it goes, and it cuts out. And uh Phil's really looking at me now and this guy jumps out from behind underneath the we didn't even know he was there. Uh underneath the console, it's Al Ramirez.
3: Oh. And Al
2: flips open a switchblade. I go, Great, we're getting jacked, uh, on our first show. And it turns out he's the head engineer. So he just he kinda hot wired the station back on the air with his knife and we finished the show. Uh we have Phil's still looking at me funny. We uh, go to leave, and in the green room, it's Rodney Bingenheimer. He's got his show. Wow. And on his show that night was Deborah Harry, uh, part of the Sex Pistols, uh, Tom Petty, and the Ramones. Jeez. And nobody knew any of them. None of them had even any product out. Wow. And I met them all in the green room there, which which was another suite across the hallway. And Rodney goes, they're all going to be huge. Wow. And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And that was the beauty of that era, was that all those bands were breaking. Uh, so K-Rock had this huge following, even though they were the tiniest little station with no money. And they're down at the end of the dial, and, and uh, but everybody was listening to them. Hey, Frazier, kind of this must have
0: been thing. like about the mid-70s or so. Mid-70s, to uh,
2: mid-70s You know, 76. <clears throat> okay. You know, mm-hmm. like what Frankie said, I came out in 76. It was mm-hmm. 76. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't know any of these groups. Nobody did. But Rodney, Rodney knew all of them. Oh, yeah. And Rodney, you know, used to work for NME mm-hmm. and uh, magazine. And he so he was ahead of the curve on everything. And, you know, Rodney doesn't get enough credit. He broke all the big uh, AOR bands, too. Uh, you know, he, he, he broke... Um, uh, you know, Zeppelin and and uh, and the Who over here, and uh, Bowie, and, you know, and he had his uh, he had his uh, club, Rodney's mm-hmm. English Disco, mm-hmm. and that was on Sunset, and, and all the English bands would go there, all the big bands. You'd walk in there it was a tiny little place. Zeppelin would be in one booth, the Who would be in another, Queen would be in another booth. You know, Rodney knew them all. And you and, know what uh,
0: phrase? Uh, that there is a great um, documentary about him called "The Mayor of the Sunset Strip," which sure, uh, uh, sure. which was fantastic. And if if any of anybody listening has not uh, seen it, uh, check it out because that's basically the story of what you're talking about—an amazing um, history and legacy of uh, discovering acts, and you were right in the middle of that. That must have been really cool.
2: Well, it was it was cool. It was great but you know you at the same time you weren't getting paid the checks were bouncing you know typical stuff and um but you were in the you felt like you were in the vortex of something big Mm -hmm. and that was what was great about it it was the the little train could you know we were like huge in the city and yet had no money and were you know so but it was uh but all i did was really listen to rodney rodney would go phrase play this because uh, I hit it off with Rodney right away, and, and he was a great guy. And he says, I'll oh, play this, or play that. So I would just play it. I didn't oh. know what it was, and uh, nobody else did either. I mean, nobody knew these groups. I um, still remember playing, and I played a lot of groups before anybody else ever played them in, in town, in L.A., and probably in America. Um, what shift then, you were know, you I
0: working, Phrase? When were you on? Uh, I was on Kira.
2: Friday and Saturday night. Okay. Uh, and I would. It was like I would, a party shift.
1: Yeah, I would think that and, you would be on at night. You had a. You, I just actually listened to a um, an air check of yours from K Rock, and um, you have some really interesting comedy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I not I don't remember any of it, um, mm-hmm. and that's probably good because I I don't know that it was very good comedy, but I was having a good time. And uh, I just remember that, um, you know, all these groups... Would, the, the one story I always tell was that I'd be doing my show, and uh, this guy kept climbing in through the window, through the fire escape, and kicking the door in and going, Hey, man, you got to play my chess, person, dude. I'd be like, Get out of here, man. I'm doing a show. You know, I kept kicking him out. We had no security. And this was actually after we moved across the street from the Hilton. He couldn't have climbed the Hilton. He would have had to be Spider-Man. This was like... <laughs> across the street, and it was like a two-story little building that we were stuck in until they built the stud- their new studios, which never happened. Yeah. And um, so I'm in there, and this guy kept coming back every week. So finally I go, all right, and I played his song, and it went through the roof. It was David Lee Roth.
3: Really? And, um, wow. Yeah, and, it was,
2: uh, and, you know, I was kind of the first guy that ever played, Van Halen. Jeez. Um Dang. You know, because uh, Pas- they were a Pasadena band. Uh, We were in Pasadena, and, uh, you know, and that's kind of stuff that happened there. Bands would get played for the first time that became huge. Yeah. I I think I was the first guy to ever play The Police. Wow. You know, um, nobody knew them. I knew any of these bands, Talking Heads, and then uh, I remember I opened for Talking Heads at stand-up. I opened for Talking Heads at UCLA, and at that time, I was getting really big, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. Howard Stern
3: big, Mm -hmm. and...
2: Thousands of people showed up at, at this outdoor concert. Thousands. And they were all there to see me.
0: Wow. You
2: know, I mean, you know, it was like I was the attraction, not Talking Heads. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember I did like 15 minutes of stand-up, and they were so mad at me because I was cursing in my stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the people in Westwood were like, who is this guy? Um, but, um, yeah, and then at that same time I was working at the Starwood. I was uh, Starwood was a club that was at... Crescent Heights, Santa Monica, okay. and it was a big rock rock club. Mm-hmm. Bands got discovered out of there. Van Halen made their first deal out of there, and and so did a lot of bands. And uh, it was owned by the notorious Eddie Nash, you know the uh, the scary club owner guy that from Wonderland Drive movie. Uh, wow. And uh, yeah, and uh, you know you'd be in there after the show. It'd be like, um, well, you want to get paid in. Um, cash or cocaine. Oh, you know, and I, I, I took the cocaine and then sold it to my friends <laughs> in the parking lot. Um, you know, but it was a wild and woolly time, you know, um, and K-Rock was popping. You know, I remember going to a party and, and somebody said, and Johnny Carson was there and he goes, I hear Frazier Smith is here. Wow. You know, yeah, but it was all, it wasn't that I was so great. It was that the time and they always say it's timing.
0: Well, you know you the know, thing about K Rock, uh, it, it was basically like you said, phrase. It was basically kind of an underground station at the time. I mean, the big dogs in L A. or or, you know, or they or thought they were big dogs were KMET and KLOS, and I'm sure they were probably looking over their shoulders at uh, what K Rock was doing. Correct?
2: Yeah, well, you're right, Kenny. That's exactly what was happening, and they were actually really annoyed. They were like, "Who are these guys? How are they?" beating us, you know, and we, it was kind of worst to first, you know, all of a sudden we leapt over all of them. We were number one and they couldn't believe it because we didn't have any money. We had no promotional, uh, possibilities. It was just a viral thing in the pre viral universe. Right. And it really happened because there was a changing of the guard musically, you know, um, The, people were starting to get a little tired of the classic uh, you know, classic rock, but it's now classic rock. They weren't totally tired of it but they it was it was kind of getting to be corporate rock and they were getting a little bored with it. Yeah. So this fresh stuff caught everyone's attention. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden all, everyone mm-hmm. in town was listening to K-Rock and so you know, you're torn because you're like wow, I'm not making any money, but yeah. everyone in town knows me. Yeah. You know, and it, it was like like a mini rock star. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I've never been a guy that you know had a whole lot of women around him. All of a sudden, all these women, you know, are calling, you know, and all of a sudden, uh, it was like being a rock star. Wow. And and I did a, um, at a club called the Sweetwater in uh, in Redondo Beach, where I ran for governor. I ran for governor. <laughs> and thousands and thousands <laughs> of people showed up we had to turn what away what was your platform
0: yeah what was your platform phrase
2: oh i had a, i can't remember but i had like a rattlesnake in every mailbox <laughs> i had all these stupid, uh, things and um and, you know and uh the but i just i remember i had an exploding pad- podium i had built this podium that when i leaned on it it exploded <laughs> i got a huge laugh um but it was I, I drove up in a tank i rented the tank and drove up in this tank and I remember running over a parking meter and everybody was pissed uh, it, you know it was, it was but I just had thousands of fans and um, yeah, a must get laid guarantee on my uh, on my t-shirt <laughs> and, uh, Fraser Smith hurt yourself t-shirts with the must- get laid guarantee mm-hmm. and uh, it's it, it, it just stuff that it caught on you know the whole thing caught sure. on. Did, did you and, and um... go ahead Well, it was just a unique time. You couldn't probably do that ever again. It was just timing. And really, a lot of it had to do with Rodney. Mm. And uh, because he would pick these bands, and then the bands were starting to blow up. So then I was getting credit for playing the bands. Right. You know, uh, which really was him, because I didn't know who they were. So, you know. um, So kudos to Rodney being in a Yeah. Well, the only thing I could take really Mm. any credit for is listening. I was yeah. listening to what Rondin would say. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, and, but the but the strip was great, the strip was popping and you know, my buddy ran the Roxy, my my other friend ran the whiskey, uh, you know, I was working at Starwood, I had all the clubs wired, you know, I could go up and down the strip and just you know, anything I wanted. And when I would go to the forum uh to see the Lakers, they'd go, Mr. Smith and they'd bring me right down to, you know, courtside um,
0: that's you awesome. Know, it was
2: like, it was like royalty. Uh, and I didn't really deserve any of it. <laughs> you know, so, I was just an idiot, an idiot on the radio.
1: Did you um, ever have a, did you ever have a, a bit or a promotion just completely go South? Uh,
2: I, I'm trying to find one that didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Almost all of them went South. The, um, uh, the one that got me in trouble was the, uh, Christmas in my car. Uh, because my whole angle was that I was living in my car, and wasn't far from the truth. So then I said, "Well, I'm in my old Cadillac, and I'm at Hollywood and Vine. I w- it was Christmas time, and I go, I want everybody to come down there, uh, to Hollywood and Vine. We're having a big Christmas party. On, um, come on down. And I had all these so thousands of people came down there. And the cops got really pissed mm. uh and I had some effects of helicopters going overhead, and they go, "Look at the cops are up here man they're 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 you know they're they're uh surveying me as i'm- and all these fans were coming into Hollywood, and uh I really jammed up the streets, it got a huge response, and I got in so much trouble with the cops, yeah, then we did um the rose parade, oh, oh yes. yeah, covered the oh. Rose parade illegally and that got a huge lawsuit against uh, K Rock which was actually good for me because it was all over the papers mm-hmm. K Rock sued DJ sued and I still remember looking at the front page of the LA Times and it said uh, and then we covered the Super Bowl and it said Super Bowl coverage CBS K Rock Fraser Smith <laughs> and uh,
1: so we have to we- so we 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 have to give a little back a little background on that. So the Rose Parade would be on television. You would tell everybody to put it on mute and listen to your coverage of the Rose Parade.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then we covered it, you know. And um comically just rip it.
0: it was kind of like Mystery Science part. Theater before Mystery Science Theater.
2: Same thing, exactly, mm-hmm. Kenny. And mm-hmm. and uh I'm a big fan of those guys. and I know Joel too. I know those guys. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we were kind of doing that before um and it became a tradition. We did it every year. A couple of years, we actually got to be out there live on the wow. sc- on the scene. And I remember the uh, one time the tournament mm-hmm. officials were trying to throw us out of there um, and close us down. Uh, those guys in the white suits that you see out there were mm-hmm. trying to shut us down. But the fans all rallied in our favor and them. they couldn't throw us out. Um,
1: well, you still had people cross. watching the parade on TV. Right. So.
2: Yeah, people were watching on TV. It was a big big hit. And we did that for like thirty years. Um, it finally stopped at KLOS this last couple of years because they just didn't want to chance it. Yeah, um, because things are so PC now.
0: Hey, phrase. You know, when 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 did you uh, go to KLOS to do mornings? Because I mean, the two hip that whole thing was that like early eighties. I mean, and and why did you leave uh, K Rock or how did that all come together?
2: Well, basically. On great guns, and then I kind of screwed up. I um, did an article in uh, LA magazine, and they gave me a huge spread, and I like eight or something. And um, you know, but in in the article, uh, I I learned a lesson, a hard lesson. You know, I was young then; I was like twenty six or something. Mm -hmm. And um, I uh, after after the uh, show watch my show. Believe it. He goes, I can't believe this show. You're in a tiny little place. I thought you were going to be in some huge studio, you know? And uh, so we afterwards, we go out for a beer. We go to a bar, and he turns off his tape recorder, and he goes, um, all right, off. He goes, what's going on up there? Uh, he goes, you guys aren't playing any commercials, because we weren't playing commercials for a while there mm-hmm. on purpose. They were trying to really drive the ratings up by not playing any commercials. And he goes, and and this place is tiny, and there's no, and and you're bringing your own records in. He goes, what's going on, man? And so I go, well, you know, management over there are a little, you know, are you know, we're not, our checks are bouncing, blah blah. I told him all the stuff you would never tell a reporter if wow. you were doing a, you mm-hmm. know, but but he had said off the record, and I learned the hard way, you're never off the record. Exactly. I should have known. I, I should have known better. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this big article that was supposed to bust my career wide open. Uh, I get fired, wow, as soon as they saw that stuff, yeah, because they were trying to sell the c b s yeah, you know, and they um and this this really made them look bad, wow, you know, management, and i i would you know, I'm smart enough to never I would never have said that mm-hmm. if i you know thought he was sure. going to print it
1: mm-hmm. well, plus but, he plied you like, with I'm liquor really. too, right, what's that? He plied you with liquor as well,
2: well, you know, it was just me being stupid. You know, I I've, everyone knows that you're never really off the record. That was really kind of dumb, but anyway, <laughs> this big break of mine was going to be. Uh, all of a sudden, I'm fired. So um, I kind of was reeling around. I didn't know what to do. I was like really hot, and all of a sudden, I'm fired. Mm. So, and um, I finally get this call from uh Bill Summers yeah. at KLOs the GM there mm-hmm. and Bill had been looking for for months you know and uh he didn't know he goes where the hell where are you, where have you been I kind of just disappeared for a little while mm-hmm. after that cuz I didn't know what to do mm-hmm. and then uh so they hired me at KLOs they and and turns out that uh Bill's wife had been a huge fan of my show mm. so she goes you got to hire this guy Joey so uh yeah and yeah. mm-hmm. no his, his wife before okay uh joni okay. and um she was a big fan uh, so they hired me and
0: what year uh, was know, this was, phrase
2: this was 70 no 80 this was 80 yeah okay. and so it was 80 and i've been off the air for about maybe five months mm-hmm. um so i start there and they're just now starting to play kind of the the high end of of the new music mm-hmm. you know they play some elvis costello a little bit of police you know they weren't going as deep as we were going they were never going to play sex pistols who was the
0: program that. director phrase then in 80? well
2: at that time it was my friend damien oh
0: okay.
2: but then you, you know you know damien, yeah, of course yeah mm-hmm. and that was beautiful me mm-hmm. and i are buddies you know mm-hmm. so that was really great but then they, shortly after that, brought in a program director, um, uh, who I don't know if I should mention his name because we didn't get along too well. Uh, wh- whatever,
0: um, it's, it's you know, it's it's whatever you're comfortable with, you know. Well, uh, they hey, and by the guy. way, by the way, phrase all of this is off the record. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, then I will mention his name. Um, you know, it, 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 so they brought this guy in, and um, uh, we did not see eye to eye, and I was just... Uh, all of a sudden really hot. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I just transferred all the listeners from uh, K-Rock over, you yeah. know, and I was just soaring, but they didn't like my you know, my edgy delivery. I had a lot of, you know, kind of borderline jokes. Yeah, I was a little bit blue and I was playing, I would slip in records whenever I wanted, you yeah. know?
0: yeah, Breaking the format, just doing your own yeah. thing. And you, And you know, back then, back then back then um it and even today, it, it really depends on the management and the program director whether uh, you know whether they're gonna support it and and reap the rewards or fight you because they want to be in control.
2: Well, they were fighting me <laughs> and yeah. uh, you know, it was really uh, it became a, a real battle. Wow and I was also see they were also owned by KB they were owned by ABC ABC yeah and and the head guy at ABC television, Elton Rule was a huge fan of mine, mm-hmm. and he wanted to give me a TV show. Mm-hmm. And I remember every day after my show, I'd go up to Century City and hang out with him in his office. This is the head guy at ABC. Wow. And he, you know, because I, I was pretty hot. Mm-hmm. Everyone wanted to do something with me, everybody. I got so many TV offers, it was crazy. Yeah. And I didn't handle that right either. I sh- screwed those all up. And I had big management. All of a sudden, I had I was with uh, um, Jerry Weintraub signed me and you know he uh, his clients were like Led Zeppelin mm. Sinatra Stallone mm. you know and then me <laughs> you, know? <laughs> and, uh, and, you know but anyway that got to be weird too because they tried to lean on K L O S for more money and that got awkward so anyway um I would go up there in Eltonville and then uh, uh my program my general manager at K didn't like that that made him jealous he didn't like the fact that I was getting uh, you know some love from the TV side right. so he, he he killed the deal he yeah. went and told them that I was on coke and that oh, I was a, a, you know a troublemaker yeah. and hard to work with and blah 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 so I got shot down there mm. by my own GM. so that put me in a real adversarial uh situation with my own management mm-hmm. and i'm hot as a pistol i'm getting huge ratings but at the same token i'm in, in you know in hot water with management well and it became a thing, you know. We all of yeah. a sudden it was a lot of battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I remember I uh, I used to park in in the GM spot every day, I, mm. so I was always late. Mm-hmm. And he had the closest spot, so I'd always park in his spot. And then I'd come out later and move my car, but mm-hmm. I forgot to move it one day, so he towed my car. Oh jeez! So uh, so I I interviewed the tow truck driver. I go, mm-hmm. who's doing this? And he goes, oh, you know, it was a. <laughs> So uh, I told everybody, to, um, his GM had just got two hip license plates, personalized plates, which was my slogan. Right. So I said, if you see a guy driving a silver Cadillac with two hip plates, give him the finger. <laughs> and so I had everybody in Los Angeles at that time was listening to me in the morning. They were all flipping him off everywhere he went. Wow. He couldn't go anywhere. Wow. And uh, yeah, everyone's flipping off the GM, mm. um, which did not endear me to him. Um <laughs> So we're in a battle, and that kind of stuff was constantly happening, you know. I I remember having the guys on from Spinal Tap. The week that Spinal Tap came out, I had all the guys on the show. Wow. And they brought in their record that they had put out at the same time as the movie. And so they're playing one of us. They go, can we play a song? I go, yeah. So we played uh, Big Bottom. Big Bottom. (laughs) Um, (laughs)
3: Great
2: song, and we played it. And it's halfway through. I get a program director. Take that off now or you're fired. Wow. So I go, you know what? I go, so all right. So I had to take the record off in front of those guys. That was embarrassing. Nice. And they go, a phrase, they thought I had all the clout in the world. They were like, what happened? How come you had to? So then I remember going into his office afterwards, and just it was like a scene out of a movie. I cleared his desk. I knocked wow. everything off his desk. I go, listen, motherfucker. And I put him up against the wall. <laughs> so I grabbed him and threw him up against the wall. And, you know, that was inappropriate behavior on my part. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You think? Yeah. <laughs> but... Kenny, come on. Yeah, it was I final. Know.
0: I know. I know. I know. <laughs>
2: you That's know? funny. And, and I'm sorry to curse
0: on your uh, Oh, on come your on. Podcast, it's a podcast. But, uh, but, uh, know, uh, Melissa did, Melissa just to let you know, Melissa Max was uh one of our first guests and she said cocksucker sucker twice. So, there you go. Well,
2: well, there well thank you, go. you for that. <laughs> uh, I've got two I've got two in the bag then. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it's it's like uh you know the the, the dynamic, and, and yeah. you know, of course, I as I got older, I got more mature, and I was able to uh, control moments like that where I wouldn't certainly do anything like that today. But mm-hmm. it, but at the time, it sure felt good, and uh, you know, to be able to say to them, "Hey, guys, what are you doing?" Yeah. You know, I, I'm trying to make I'm trying to make some big time stuff here, mm-hmm. uh, and you're stepping on my toes at every turn, and. It's something that, you know, you don't learn in broadcasting school. They'll tell you that kind of thing that you're going to have to encounter, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the closest thing I saw to it was Stern's movie. You, you know, uh, I really liked Stern's I, movie because, yeah. you know, you saw the whole thing there yeah. where he had to deal with the mm-hmm. uh, WNBC yes, guy. Exactly. and exactly. And, mm-hmm. and a pig vomit and mm-hmm. all the stuff Howard had to endure yeah. um, before he got big. And I was, it was almost exactly the same. Yeah. They really did a good casting job on that mm-hmm. movie, too, because the, the executives that they cast looked just like the guys that I was dealing with.
0: Um, well, Fraser, let, let, me, let me jump in here for a second, because what's interesting about what you're saying is, you know, when, when you and I worked at KLSX um, in the uh, uh, early 90s, you know, Howard was our morning guy. And obviously you were part of the staff there. But I am aware of the fact that you were doing this even before Howard got as big as he as he was. And I think in many ways what's unfair is he was able to continue on and, you know, obviously gets all the credit he deserves as being like kind of a landmark broadcaster. You know, you you can call him shock jock, but it's basically just really real and authentic and it's just a shame that um, they were not allowing you the same leeway at a certain point.
2: Well, you know, uh, yes, Kenny, thank you. It, um, you know, I was the first one in, I think, right style. Um, and you know, Howard used to write me letters. I used to get letters from Howard, yeah. Um, before, you know, before he was really started. Um, and so, yeah, there, there's, a, there is a little bit of that. I had to take all the hits because. You know, I was the sore thumb Mm -hmm. guy that they'd never seen before, and um, and they came after me hard. And you know, I was a cocky kid, and I was it was like, you know, fuck you guys. You know, Uh, even though I was, you know, I'm really not like that. But at that time, it just seemed to me that you know, guys are why are you doing this? Yeah. I'm going to make you guys millions of dollars, yeah. which I did. Mm-hmm. I made the millions of dollars. Okay, mm-hmm. and a friend of mine ran into one of those guys. He goes, why did those guys? You brought millions into them. Well, I did, you know. And this is pre Stern and pre everybody. And um, you know, it then that's what I didn't get on a business level. Yeah, why would you uh, kill the golden goose? Yeah. I was bringing in so much money why would you do that so it didn't compute to me i, I you know i was like well if you are about me anybody in that position why would you do that to them and um you know i don't know it just kept getting worse uh i got a movie deal i got a deal to write a script with uh jack handy jack handy was the uh guy who wrote the jerk or steve martin mm-hmm. And he was on Saturday Night Live. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. uh, remember Jack Handy? Yes. Uh, and 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 so he, um, so he and I, they, uh, he put me together with him to write a movie. Uh, MGM did. So we're writing this movie called Patrol, which Kayla stole. And, What's it called? Um, what was it called? Cool Patrol. Oh,
0: Cool Patrol. Right.
2: And, right. Yeah, and we were writing. It's, it's like a secret agent spoof. Yeah. And I, I was not much of a writer, but Jack, Handy was a great writer. We had a heck of a script. You know, we're writing this thing. And um, it got it green got greenlit. Wow. The, the the script got green with which means it's going to go on, and they were going to make it. And I remember being out the morning with my show. I was so mad at management because they were really grinding me at every turn and uh, messing with my music. And, you know, uh, just tweaking the show in ways that it shouldn't have been tweaked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I had just had it. Right. And I remember, <laughs> I went on the air, and this is another classic mistake out there, folks. Don't ever do this. <laughs> and I started saying, I will not need this job anymore, folks. Why not? Because I just got a movie deal. Wow. And I just went off uh. about how, screw management here, man. Mm. Here's what these guys are doing to me. Mm. And I started reading them right on the air, you know. And I had a little list. And here's what this guy did, and here's what that guy did. Wow. And screw these guys, because I don't need them anymore, because I just got a movie deal. Wow. And then I, I hear this pounding on the glass. I look over, it's my news guy, Larry Jacobs, and he's holding up that morning's LA Times onto the window, and it says, studio had fired. The Ugh. guy that gave me the green deal got fired oh, that morning. Oh, wow. And I've just already just <clears> let management have it on the air. <laughs> wow! I'm like, yep. oh my god! Timing, you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> the timing time. exactly. Uh, it was the whole David Beagleman fiasco that went down. Wow! You well, know, uh, with sending the whole check, uh, the bad checks and the whole thing, and and so all of a sudden, you know, my deal thrown out the door, uh, and uh, I had just made the classic mistake of all time. Wow! So I, uh, you know, was shortly fired shortly after that. Um, because that was kind of the last draw for them too yeah. you know um so it was kind of you know uh, i would say not a not a good ending um but then camey hit me came up two days later KMET. t K-M-E-T, mm-hmm. KMET was even better than KLS. yeah, yeah. K-M-E-T, and and to get picked up by the competition like two days later was a real coup for me um I sure remember going out to dinner with Howard Bloom, program director, uh, and they uh, they go, we're we're hiring. Now. So um, I went over to KMET, and it was all the guys at KMET that I'd been making fun. Wow. <laughs> you know, Paraguay Kelly and, and uh, Jim Ladd, A little
1: uncomfortable.
2: And, and Ladd, and Cynthia Fox. Cynthia and Fox. Yeah. All of them. they had. A they had a great lineup, a tremendous lineup. Mm-hmm. And you know what? To their credit, they welcomed me with welcoming arms. They were really cool to me. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a real family over there. They had a good team, and they were super cool to me, considering that I've been banging on them for, you know, yeah. years. And uh, I was so impressed with that. I was just impressed with their attitude. They were real professionals over there, and they had a heck of a station. And KLS had a heck of a station, too. I'm well, I think I crazy.
0: think phrase KLOS uh, was back then because it was ABC owned. I think it was just a a, a bit more corporate than KMET, wouldn't you say?
2: Exactly. And that exactly. was that was
0: the issue that they had with you. Uh, they wanted to kind of rein you in.
2: Well, that was the problem, exactly. In a nutshell, and we exactly, and and KMET was a little looser because they could be. Yeah. Uh they were corporately owned too, but it wasn't ABC. Right. So ABC would really but we did have some great DJs. And mm-hmm. you know what, the one thing I will say, I got along with all the DJs great. Yeah. And um we were a family. Again, I told Frankie this one time, you know, it was a uh um, she asked me once how it was different then than now. Mm-hmm. Well, what was different then was you could get around town a little easier. Yeah. You know, traffic's always been bad in LA, but mm-hmm a little bit it wasn't as bad then so we would hang out together all the KOS djs we go to we'd party during the week we'd go over to somebody's house for a party you know we go to damien's house or joe riling's house or whatever you know and and we all hung out together you know we smoked pot you know screwed around went to concerts together we all went to concerts together we would go as a team i Mm -hmm. mean we would all go yeah you know most of the time we were backstage and we got to introduce the bands and we'd all go up on stage and we all got along. I mean, there's always one or two people in every office that you don't get along with, but 99% of us all got along. And, um, it really was fun. It was a fun year because we, the strip was popping, it was happening every night. You were out every night. You were with your, that was part of my promise. I had to get up for a morning show after being out all night. And, uh... (laughs) That was a little tricky but you know we really had had fun and the fans were fun the, the fans were the 80s were just a fun time Phrase, you know
1: Phrase. I want to ask you about your stand up I want to switch gears and ask you about your stand up when when did you decide first of all when did you figure out that you were funny and two when was your first stand up experience
2: Well my first stand up experience was when I was 6 years old we had to do you know, when you do either show-and-tell or whatever at school, I would always get up and tell jokes, <laughs> you know, out of a joke book. So I always loved telling jokes. Yeah. So I kind of, and then I started doing it when I was in college. I was with a team, I was with a comedy team, me and this guy called Daddy Wags. And Wags worked at the radio station. We would go out and do stand-up. And then I moved, when I moved to Detroit, we were, I was starting to do stand-up there. And when I came out here, um, I wanted to do stand-up, but I didn't really know anybody. But then somebody introduced me to Jamie Masada. And Jamie was, is now the current owner of the Laugh Factory right. and has been for many years. Mm-hmm. Kenny knows him pretty yeah. well. And so mm-hmm. I, I think you've met him too, Frankie. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a guy who was producing my show, my radio show in the morning, said brought brought him by one day, and he goes, hey, you're going to like... And I brought him in. I immediately didn't like him. He was just annoying. And he was uh, this uh, kind of nefarious, you know, uh, foreign guy. (laughs) Buddy, phrase, let me tell you. (laughs) Buddy, buddy, you make it happen, buddy. And he was so annoying.
0: Phrase, man. uh, Yeah,
2: buddy, man, let me tell you. We make it happen with the comedy. I'm between the Rock and the Fireplace, buddy. We, we get it going. So um, I go, I don't want this guy on the show. And he goes, oh, no, trust me, trust me, put him on the show. So I had him on as my, kind of my sidekick. And another guy that management hated, <laughs> but uh, public loved him. Yeah. He was buddy buddy Buddy-buddy. And he would screw up every sentence. You didn't have to teach him anything. He would screw You just give him a script, and he would screw it up. <laughs> And then he'd start plugging his club. He had this tiny little club called the Laugh Factory. And it was, like, tiny. Uh, It's about a third the size of what it is now. And it was by far the worst club in the country. I mean, nobody would go there. But Buddy and I were slowly becoming friends. So I thought, okay, I'm going to push this guy. He's my friend. So we we kept talking about the Laugh Factory. All of a sudden, the Laugh Factory starts getting big. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Buddy... um, all of a sudden, he, 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 now he's able to borrow some money, and he, he expands the club. Now the club is bigger. Now it's like a hot club, and I'm down there every weekend, and uh, the big comics would go there. But all of a sudden, now they were starting to go there. And then I started having them on my show, and I had Sam Kinison on the show, and Dice, and Roseanne, and all these comics, before they got big, they were they were coming down. Paul Rodriguez, wow. they were all coming down and doing my show. Uh, so that's how I got to know all the comics. We became friends. And I could give them something valuable because I could give them some PR. Right. You know, and, mm-hmm. and I remember my boss was always, you know, he'd say, like, I'd have George Lopez on. And he'd go, why are you having him on? I go, well, because uh, he's funny. And he goes, well, nobody knows who he is. And I go, well, they will. Yeah you know you yeah. could tell george was going to blow up and yes. get big you, you could tell Kinnison was going to mm-hmm. you know you don't have to be a genius to see that these people were talented yeah and um everybody um and uh, and so then we started doing shows from the clubs we would do my morning show from the laugh factory you know and people would show nice up publicity have, like, for yes. the laugh factory donuts and donuts and vodka you know and uh <laughs> <laughs> The audience, so those became really big. And then we did one from the comedy store that was really big. We did, and that had Letterman on it and Lena Wow. and all these guys. And they shut down Sunset. They had to shut down Sunset. Wow. So thousands of people showed up.
0: You know what phrase uh you're, I've seen your stand up it is it is great it is very kind of traditional um you know take my wife please i mean it's it's the <laughs> it's the straight yeah. straight jokes uh which is an art form in itself and quick i wanted to ask you because we're uh we're going to be wrapping up here pretty soon uh we we're we're looking at almost an hour and i could go we could go two or three more hours but I wanted to ask you...
2: I don't to say cocksucker twice. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, This pandemic that we're in, um, I know you haven't been able to do stand-up comedy. We wanted you on, because this is our first time back uh, in the Benstown Studios since the middle of March. Um, We want some levity. I I would imagine that you must have a handful of pandemic jokes. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but I, I I was I was I was talking to Frank. I said he's got to have some COVID nineteen jokes or or something to lighten things up a little bit.
2: Well, I, you know I I you know I used to uh, be able to get women to come by uh, my place by telling them I had a case of corona. <laughs> say, uh, they run for the hills. Oh, and uh, you know it is it is tough out there. I mean, this whole thing is weird. I'm washing my hands more than Howie Mandela at a meet and <laughs> It's bad out there. Uh, How bad you know, is it, uh, Praise? <laughs> it's pretty, pretty bad. I saw a partial score today. It was COVID-19 Raiders 7.
3: <laughs> and, oh. uh,
2: you know, of course, they're doing sports with no crowds. Yeah. Well, why not? The Clippers did it for 30 years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's on a roll, folks. <laughs>
2: They're not going to have crowds at baseball anymore, which is uh, going to make it tough to do the wave. <laughs> the only, only wave you're going to be doing is for the one guy in the next section. <laughs> hey, dude, and there goes your excuse. I left early to beat traffic. Oh,
0: God. Oh, man. We needed that, buddy. We needed you know,
2: that. Uh, you know, and, of course, Trump's saying that if you... Uh, drink disinfectant, it'll kill the virus. Well, I remember that next time I go to uh, Jamba Juice. <laughs> I'll have the Pine Salt smoothie. Oh.
0: Yeah. Uh, 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 you know, uh, what I love... The only uh, good
2: news is that my weed dealer now has curbside service. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, now what you get is a contactless.
0: <laughs> see, I, I, I told Frankie, I said, I know Phrags has got some COVID nineteen jokes, and uh, you're not disappointing, man. It's uh, it's a crazy, crazy time. What, when do you think uh, are are they? I, I guess you know doing stand up comedy is going to be really difficult, and, and unless they can actually have crowds again, I mean, what what are you well, hearing? We're,
2: we're, we're a little concerned about that. Yeah, uh, you, you know, Kenny, uh, you, you know, you do wonder. Uh, you know, the, the thing about comedy is you cram everybody into a small room right so it is kind of the kind of worst possible scenario for Mm -hmm. coming back early Mm -hmm. you know and there's been talk about well you know we'll put people in there with half a crowd or a third of a crowd but then you know does that make it equitable for the owner uh to do it and and you don't know and and even then is it going to are our audience members going to feel comfortable yeah. um you know ordering drinks and and yeah. uh, I don't know it, I just did my first zoom uh, comedy show and that was weird I, yeah. you know people are saying well that's the future well I don't know hmm. it's actually it's on tonight it runs tonight we taped it a week ago and oh. it's running Tonight, But it um, we had some really good comedians. It mm-hmm. was still fun, but it's not really a substitute for the real thing. Yeah. You know, you need a crowd for some things. Yeah, where are you going to put the
1: hecklers on Zoom? Yeah.
2: Well, exactly. Well, you know, believe me, I had to go out in the audience and heckle myself. <laughs> but, but it's like... Um, <clears throat> there There's just no uh there's no response, and you tell a joke and it just sits yeah. there, which isn't that unusual for me <laughs> <laughs> but you know uh-huh. it's, it's like um yeah, it's pretty weird, Kenny and we're worried about it, we're worried, is it going to come back? I don't know, you know and, and and even the KLOS thing, there was some indication that they might still bring us back if this yeah. if things start you know getting a little better mm-hmm. um. And, you know, it, so none of us really know with... So many other people are experiencing that with their jobs, too. They're just, you know, is it going to be the same? What's it going to be like? Everything's got to be different. If you're running a restaurant, you've got to do all these things. And, and stand-up's no different. And the, it, it, particularly with stand-up, it's the, the close proximity. Yeah. You kind of want a tight little group, you know, because that makes it for better... You know, you just get a better roll off of your jokes if, you, if everybody's seated tightly together. Yeah. And that doesn't seem to... So I don't know what's going to happen there, but we are a little concerned about it.
0: Well, I got to tell you, um, 2020, wow. What
2: right? a year. What a year. What a year. Where, what's next? Locust? I <laughs> know. <laughs> we, we're really... Uh, it's really been a tough year. For well, we do have
1: one. the murder hornet now.
2: Well, the murder hornets are great. I thought that was a k pop band <laughs> uh, the murder hornets uh, but the um but you know it's it's kind of like uh, no one expected this, no one saw this coming, and it keeps getting worse yes. and you know the only good news is I've been able to go out and loot <laughs> and um i've I've gotten a lot of good items in the last couple of days um oh boy, a, a new nickname I have a new nickname Sir Loots a lot. <laughs> Uh, I'm pretty good at it, uh, uh, but yeah, it, it's a, it's been a tough one, Kenny. And you know, and and, and we're broadcasters, and we love it. Yeah. And uh, we wonder where that's headed now. Yeah. Um, you know, the one thing that seems to be going on, and, and I know Series X is doing this, and mm-hmm. is uh, a lot of people getting, having their shows out of their home studios. Yeah, now. yeah. and that may be the answer for us uh, broadcasters is to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and and. Um, I think that's a possibility, you know, the Zoom thing. Um, the, you know, the, the new ways so that you're not going into the home base. Right. I think that's always what they're about with, with radio is everybody going into the home base. Yeah. Um, and with good reason, you know. You use and, and, uh, and you know, and, and at KOS uh, recently, there's 200 people up there on the same floor. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. over you know because Power 106 was up there too mm-hmm. and and two other Hispanic stations. So, you have got all the sales staff, you've got everybody up on one floor and with mm-hmm. something like this going around, that's just dangerous. Yeah. So, I'm not even mad at them. I'm not mad at the current uh regime at all. I think they had to do what they did. You yeah. know, they they just have too many potential dangers up there if if you have everybody up there. So, I, I don't blame anybody this thing just came out of nowhere, and uh, we're all trying to figure it out.
0: Well, you had a good like six year uh, run from 2014 to uh, recently on KLOS, and as you know, I uh, always loved uh, listening to your show, and I have to uh, I have to share with everybody that um, um, I like to tell jokes once in a while too. And um,
1: are you going to do that? right Well, now?
0: yeah, I, I just <laughs> um, so this is a joke that. I think it was New Year's Eve a couple of years ago, Fraze, uh, you and Mel uh, came in after me, and you were going to do New Year's Eve, and so you say, hey, Ken, uh, Ken Anthony, come on uh, with us for a second, and I've always tried to make Frazier laugh, right, so I said to him, like, hey, uh, I've got a joke for you, and he goes, well, what's the joke? I said, what's the difference between uh, snowmen and snow women?" And right away, uh, Fraser goes, snowballs, next.
1: <laughs> well that's, that's like a dad stuff, well, I it's was a dad
0: say. joke it's a dad joke yeah. and fraser knew the punchline. never laughed told it and i was like so embarrassed i'm going maybe i can make fraser laugh and oh that was classic embarrassing well, but classic
2: old joke though kenny <laughs> you made a nice attempt i've always appreciated you you know what's great about a guy like kenny is that uh let me think of it for a second. The thing I always love, you know, you're a really good broadcaster. Both of you are uh, really, really good. And, yeah. you know, the thing that's really you should be proud of is how, how, you know, how professional you both are. You're both really professional. You work hard at your job. You know, uh, uh, fr- uh, Frankie does so much homework, Makes uh, never leaves a detail uh, undone and it shows in your work and and you too, Kenny. You know, both of you guys really know radio. You really know how and you study and you work hard and you prep. You know, Thank you're you. really good at all that. Yes. And and that's what the old guard does. So I think wow. I'm proud of our whole old guard from LA. You yeah. know, all those guys like uh Cynthia Fox and Damien and and Bob Coburn was the best oh, at it, and uh, Jim Ladd, all these great DJs. You know, uh, that's what they do. They're professional. Well, I'll tell you,
1: Fraser. I I grew. I was born and raised in L.A. and grew up on L.A. radio, and um, I learned from all of you. I learned from listening to to the people that came before me.
2: Well, you have an old school uh, view of things, though. You go. You, you do your. I prep, do. You work hard. You know. You do yeah. that, and 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 you guys are both great at that. And what Kenny, what I appreciate, with Kenny as a boss was. Kenny knew how to balance the corporate side with the have fun side. And you're really good at that because you're well, a fun you. guy. You're a funny guy. So it was like, and, like clock out do a line? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kenny's, yeah. Kenny's a funny guy except for that joke you just told him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Really, you, you know it's really funny. Very,
2: he's really a very funny guy. But, you know, you, you've you always been that way. You've always had a fun life loving attitude yeah. and then you're also able to pull it back and and appease the uh, the you know the higher ups. You know, you're good at walking that line. And that's not easy to do. Yeah. And that's a compliment.
0: Well thank you, Fraser. It was fun. I was uh the program director at KLSX and we had uh you know Frazier of course and Jim Ladd and Cynthia Fox and Howard was doing the morning show. That was like ninety four, ninety five or whatever. And you were you and Mel were doing the um uh, Rose Bowl parades then at KLSX, and it was a, it was an event, you know. Tune in and and um, so you, that was like twenty years,
2: thirty well, years. We actually longer than that, almost wow. thirty years. Wow. And I think what what hurt us there, guys, was just a, a political correctness, thing. right? Uh, that's right. another thing. I know you guys have to wrap it up, but yeah. that's another thing that that has really gotten kind of, uh, I think, a little out of control because I understand the need for it. I think we all do, especially as, as time marches on. Uh, you know, some of the stuff that was, you know, you you don't want to do anymore. Yeah. Some of those things were biased or racist or whatever. You know, you don't want to do anything like that, of course. But it, but now things are so tight, sea-wise, that we just didn't even want to attempt the parade. Right. Well, you know you what? Know, and, yeah. You know, and you're really, I, you know, it's too bad because we're really just having fun. Yeah. We're not saying anything sexist or anything like that R- really we're just making silly jokes yeah. and the problem is that these days everything is taken the wrong way yeah. immediately so you really I don't know we, well, just, I, we I were think... offered we were offered a chance to do it this mm-hmm. year and we we turned it down
0: you know what I was gonna kinda of wrapping up here phrase what I was gonna say is when we are talking about radio and we're, we're still trying to keep the spirit of radio alive and I think what's what's uh, what's interesting about what's happening right now especially with COVID so many layoffs and everything. Uh, radio is still a great medium. We all love it, but this whole podcast thing is, is really interesting now because it, 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 it doesn't necessarily replace live radio and playing music and stuff, but you can pretty much. So speak your mind and do your thing and look at, look at Joe Rogan. I mean, my gosh, well,
2: Joe is, Joe is huge. As you know, and he's yeah. an old friend of mine. Yeah. And, um, he is the biggest thing in broadcasting. Somebody said to me the other day, he's the new Johnny Carson. Absolutely. If you go on, you go on his show, he can make you a star, mm-hmm. and he's done it with many people. He is gigantic, yeah. and there's you know three or four people at the very top of that uh, pyramid mm-hmm. right. that are that you know are sharing that with him. Um, you know, and, and everyone's got a podcast, and I'm glad you guys have a podcast, and I think it's great. You know. Uh, and it is a fun outlet for everybody that's got one.
0: You need to do I one phrase. You think, need to do one.
2: Well, I do have one. I have a hockey podcast. Oh, that's right. It's called. Yeah, it's called Puck Off. <laughs> <laughs> I do that with, um, do that with uh, Joe Bartnick, uh, who is a hockey expert right. in a... Uh, and a uh, stand-up comic and we we're very, we have a very popular podcast because it's kind of a new. I have party. heard of it
0: I was just joking with you I was uh, when I said you need to do a podcast because uh, uh, I am uh, 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 well, it's, did it's that funnier that, uh, than the snowball joke back, right phrase back
2: to the snowball joke um, <laughs> but but the as far as the uh, uh, podcasting the one thing I do like it. I think it's great, but I don't think it replaces local radio. Oh, of course. No. In terms of, yeah. in terms of, look, we're radio people, and, right. and of course we're going to be biased. Right. And I think you'd find a lot of podcasting people who say, oh, radio's for dinosaurs." You know, that's old right. hat. Blah, blah blah. But. You can't get that immediacy right. uh, that you can get on a, on a, where you can just turn it on in your car and you get live radio. Yeah. Something that's happening right now, yeah. you know, and whatever's happening in the town, you're able to pick up on that and just talk about that immediately. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're on the air and there's an earthquake and immediate. You're the guy who mm-hmm. can talk about the earthquake. Right. You're yeah. the guy that can you know, or you can talk about whatever happens. I remember we were on the air. When Bowie passed, away. Yeah. we just immediately switched to talking about Bowie all mm-hmm. night. You know, mm-hmm. it's you're able to do that with radio. You can't do that with anything else, really. No, you're absolutely TV, right. You can, kind of, mm-hmm. you can kind of do it with TV, but you don't get that personalized perspective. Yeah. You know, what was great is to have a guy like Bob Coburn on the air when something bad happened because bob Coburn could make you feel better about it you know if there was a tragedy or an earthquake or you know and and see that's what you get from local radio and i I think that will never go away i hope it never goes away
0: i agree with you buddy and on that note i think we're gonna wrap it up um frankie
1: um frazier we love you thank you so much for coming on the show and uh you are just one special guy you've always made me feel um just loved and appreciated and uh it's it's always fun to be around you and and uh i hope the comedy stores open up soon so that we can come and see you again
2: well i thank you for that i hope they do too thank you guys for having me on one more quick thing to say actually two cocksucker cocksucker (laughs) Thank All you, right. this is, Thanks for having me out. I really appreciate it. Have a good one. Thank this you, This has Frazier. been the Spirit, right. the Spirit of Radio podcast.
1: You can reach us at thespiritofradiopodcast at gmail.com. Please like, share, subscribe. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. I am Frankie DeVita.
0: I'm Ken Anthony. Thank you for listening. It's the Spirit of Radio podcast. Keep the faith. Thanks for joining us on the Spirit of Radio podcast. We'll have another episode coming soon. Please feel free to like, share, or comment. You can reach Ken and Frankie at thespiritofradiopodcast at gmail.com. The Spirit of Radio Podcast. Keeping the spirit of radio alive.